Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Good morning. Welcome to Medicine on Call. I'm really honored today to have one of my favorite guests and a good friend on, Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Um, she's a board-certified anesthesiologist and a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, actually a board member. Um, she graduated from Stanford, earned her MD at UCSF Medical School, and she completed her residency at UCSF, her anesthesiology re- residency at Harvard's Beth Israel Hospital, and she works uh, as attend at UC Berkeley Law School. So she has an MD and a JD, which is a rare commodity and a really important one, actually, because medicine, I think, has become not just medicine. It's a business. You have to understand the legislative pitfalls and what's going on with that. And Dr. Singleton is a policy wonk, so she understands everything that's going on. And I want to have her on today because she's written a few awesome blogs um, about the state of our supposed reform uh, healthcare system. And I just wanted to get a bird's eye view of what's going on. And, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Let's start off with the, I guess the, the most important thing to me is HHS is in turmoil. And, you know, we've lost the head of HHS, Dr. Price. What's your take on that? Oh, what a question. <laughs> this is one of those things that uh, if you've read anything I've ever written, I'm not a big fan of the government and its intrusion, and I'm certainly not a big fan of what's been going on with regard to trying to take down the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things, whether you like President Trump or don't like President Trump, Seeing the concerted effort to make everyone in the administration look bad is beyond the pale. And it was even admitted by some of these folks that they shadowed Tom Price looking for things about him. Mm-hmm. Health care was such a particularly touchy subject. And uh, as it turned out, using the private planes and whatnot wasn't anything that anybody else hadn't done in the past. But... As we all know, all you have to do is frame it as the worst thing in the world that anyone's ever done, (laughs) ever, including strangling cats, then it doesn't matter that it was pro forma. Now, I'm not saying that I think it's right for Washington people to spend our money Mm -hmm. willy-nilly, but on the other hand, he did not need to be drummed out like that. It's a, I thought it was a shame. It's hypocrisy. We're seeing this parallel now with the whole Uranium One scandal and the Russia probe. I mean, it's one side. It's okay for one side to do it and then deflect by saying the other side is doing it. I mean, ultimately, we need to clean house, I think, on all levels. There's so much Absolutely. dirt up there. It's disgusting. And the lobby money is the thing I think the poison in the well and it pervades everything I mean the top 10 lobby groups are medical related are they well majority of the top 10 lobby groups are medically related how can we possibly get reform when the people who stand to gain are the ones writing the laws 
Well, that's the problem. We can't. And I just please ask your readers to go to a website that's absolutely wonderful called opensecrets.org. And it's a very legitimate website. The information on there is unbelievable. And you can plug in any name, uh, any cause, uh, any senator, congressperson, and then you see where their money comes from. And it's all lined up in the order of who's the biggest donor down to the smallest. And it is a real eye-opener. And whenever there's some issue that comes up, and it's a very good resource, if there's some issue in your town or your state and you're wondering how it's really going, you can't tell by the reporting, mm-hmm. go to Open Secrets and you can see, okay, who's financing this? And it's always an eye-opener. And we've had propositions out here in California and when at the bottom they have to say who sponsored the ad and whatnot, and you can quickly read it and see and say, oh, it's the tobacco companies that are sponsoring the ad to not have the anti-tobacco law. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was an obvious one. Some of these others, it, it, it really lets you know mm-hmm. who's running the show. And it's not us. No. But but the the irony of this is that we have the ultimate power because we have the ability to get these people out of office and we have the ability to run candidates, people, citizens who could step up to the plate and be the alternative. And it's so much money in there. It gets rid of the good people. It's like it's a feeding frenzy of, you know, the crap that goes up on in there. It's perpetuated because the money is so, I mean, you come in poor, you come out a millionaire minimum, right? How does that work? I'll tell you uh, another dirty little secret. When an outsider tries to run, here's the example of what the Congress people do. They have, may have never been going to nursing homes or schools or whatever the whole last two years. Well, election time comes around, and they go in to the nursing homes, they go into the colleges, anybody who can vote, and they give a little talk. They can do that, and that's not considered a campaign talk. (laughs) If the opponent tries to go in to the school or the nursing home, they'll say, oh, that's a campaign talk, and you can't do this. So they automatically have the leg up, so they have the name recognition. I mean, what's pitiful is 90 Three percent of the time, and this is a consistent number, the incumbent gets reelected. Mm-hmm. Now think about that when they have a fourteen percent approval rating overall. Yet we reelect them, and part of it's our own fault for not paying attention. But part of it, as you said, is the system. They have the money. They put three, four, five, six million dollars and an outside person is lucky if they can get a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And they saturate the airwaves with their name, signs, whatever. And people are only human. They see a name, they recognize it. Click the box. You know, I I, I understand what you're saying. 
that is the dumbest thing that we could do. I mean, if if we're <laughs> sorry, I I can't respect that. Your your whole as a citizen of the country, your job is to pay attention. You, what do you have to do? All, if are you happy? I mean, if you're happy with your lot in life, then all by all means vote for these people. I'm not sure anybody who's who's trying to buy health insurance is happy about it. And I would extrapolate that to who's been in there for the longest, who helped craft this thing, let's get rid of them. That's my take on it. If you're not happy, why the heck are you voting for the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? That's on you. Unfortunately, it affects all of us. But maybe they should have tests for being able to vote. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gee whiz, I think we should lock you up, my goodness. And, and you want citizens to be the only people that vote? Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> you know, I'm just out there, you know. <laughs> it's, it's sad because you try to educate people. And I have one person, I asked, well, why don't you vote? And they said, because it doesn't do any good. And it became a round robin. Well, if you don't vote, then of course it won't do any good. It's the old you got to play to win. Mm-hmm. And people need to remember that. And like you said, it's us that has the power, but unless you use it, then you might as well not be a citizen. And please close your mouth and don't complain oh, yeah. if, if you didn't vote. You've got a point there. Absolutely. Uh, but that... that analogy that we use at the beginning for you know people lobbyists in dc i think it goes to the if we want to extrapolate that to medicine those drug companies who underwrite and sponsor these uh these research studies that's questionable too oh why you need to take a uh, a cholesterol lowering drug you know if you have and they you know of course you know they change the parameter of what constitutes abnormal seems to be getting lower and lower, so you have to take the medication or preemptively take it for pre-X, you know, pre-diabetes, pre-high blood pressure. This the same, it's the same game, like a template. No matter what the system is, it seems to, be, it seems to work the same way. It is sad, and it really bothers me, this whole medical thing, and, oh, well, the study says this. It makes me wonder. You don't want to sound like some sort of a quack if you start to question what do statins do. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, I don't have high cholesterol, so my doctor hasn't tried to foist these things on me (laughs) because I have to say, sorry, my good cholesterol is just fine. Leave me alone, Mm -hmm. whatever number it becomes. And I think of how well people have done without this. And studies try to come out that say exercise and healthy eating and all this, unless you're part of a small group who have a genetically way, way, way abnormal cholesterol and it's a a liver issue, that you're fine. And you come out just as well as if you take these steps. But it's hard to argue with the doctor, and the doctor is well-meaning. He's not getting anything, a kickback from the drugs, but everyone is so saturated 
with, oh, you better take a statin, it'll keep you from getting diabetes, keep you from getting heart disease, and da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. What it does is keep people from eating healthily. One of the, the greatest lines, a nurse anesthetist friend of mine who's quite thin, was having lunch with one of her buddies who was a little rotund, and he was wolfing down the food, and she told us, I thought you had high cholesterol. Why are you eating that burger? And he said, well, I'm taking a statin. I'm okay. (laughs) Boy, he bought that line, hook, line, sinker, didn't he? (laughs) (laughs) But it does implant that attitude in patients. I mean, and this guy was a healthcare professional. And (laughs) so you can imagine your everyday patient who doesn't really know the science behind it or anything is thinking, well, gee, now I can eat anything I want. I'm taking this drug that's going to make my cholesterol wonderful. Isn't that the thing? Nobody wants to put any any labor and sweat equity in anything. It's supposed to be easy. Having an insurance plan means you can get whatever medical service you want and someone else will pay for it. They'll subsidize your premiums and help you pay for your deductibles. The insurance companies are on the hook to get all of this free money so they can lower the cost to their, or pass along the savings to the um, their customers. When does that ever happen? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, it's the whole concept, and this is where, again, who was paying attention? And I've got to hand it to Nancy Pelosi that she really does know how to pull her group together. And she did a great job of pulling all those folks together to vote for a bill, which, as she said, you have to pass it to find out what's in it. And after you find out what's in it, as everyone is finding out, that the biggest thing that's in it is ridiculously high premium. And that comes from what you just said, paying for everything, no incentive for the patient to work on themselves and improve themselves which we all know we're all our own best doctor. I absolutely agree. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Running and uh, sometimes I don't know where some of these candidates come from. And... We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, you're, no, that's next door. That's Alabama where they have the judge running. Mm-hmm. And um, and apparently he's starting to say some kind of crazy stuff. So who knows if he's going to crazy himself out of the <laughs> running. Oh, who knows? They might have actually gotten to him so he can make himself unpalatable, so they can keep the status quo. I think that this is not a two-party system. I think it's a one-party system. And the Democrats and Republicans both want the same thing. They just want a different flavor of it, correct? And they're doing everything they can to get rid of the outsiders because that's their only, that's what they're afraid of, people actually having a choice. This, Mm -hmm. This election was never supposed to work this way. Trump was never supposed to get in there. You know, just think about the fact that he financed himself by definition, means that he wasn't beholden to all these lobby groups, all these big money old heads who were running these campaigns. 
George Soros, the rest of this crew, the Mercers, the Kochs, it doesn't matter. They all want the same thing. Open, what is it, free market, which is not really free market, just them being able to use slave labor across the world to make their profits as large as possible, get as many tax breaks as they possibly can get, get bigger, get richer, become too big to fail, have the government finance it. I mean, which part of the story do, do you not get? I don't care what side you're on. Everybody's doing the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's Elon Musk and his corporate welfare for his Tesla or these green energy folks. None of that stuff works. And it, all that's done is give, make them rich and have the government subsidize them. Has it helped anybody? Has a windmill really helped anybody? I don't think so. No, and you're, you're so right. This whole thing about the parties are just two sides of the same coin. And they're in the back room yucking it up. We've just pulled another one over. And all they care about is getting reelected. And then once they're there, it's like, why are you elected? It's certainly not to help your constituents. It's to help yourself and pull in the pork and be somewhere where they can say, oh, it's the honorable Mr. So-and-so. Mm -hmm. And... That's all they want is the glory, and we have fallen for it. You know, I would go one step further, Dr. Singleton, and I would say that they're trying to protect themselves because they've done so much dirt, so much uh, underhanded stuff. Working for foreign governments, that's a big deal. How do you mm -hmm. sell 20% of your, your uranium, your, the building block for nuclear weapons, to a foreign country that potential or theoretically and what we've been historically told is an enemy how could you get away with doing that and all these 13 agencies that okayed it or whatever these this panel what were, <laughs> they got paid for this this is pay to play on a whole different ball game a whole different level and that's where the party line should stop don't you think that there was Absolutely. conspiracy Absolutely. people made money and then these guys are overseeing a, you know, this special prosecutor issue, they're all part of that. They're part of Uranium One deal. That's complete conflict of interest. And they're working, they have worked and gotten paid by Russia, yet they're saying, I, I mean, to me, this is so blatant. And all of the minion coming out trying to, do, they, I don't know if you heard this one, I think it was the Wall Street Journal said that they should give everybody involved with Uranium One amnesty. Did you hear that one? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> that is just, uh, what? This is what well, it's come to. Well, now suddenly it's amnesty because uh, President Obama and Mrs. Clinton were involved. Mm. So, therefore, we should just let it all go. One thing now that is appalling to me is... The whole, oh, Benghazi wasn't anything. Yeah. Oh, it was a video in the streets and yeah. da, 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 da. And I don't know why you're making such a big deal. And this was a surprise attack in the middle of town where an ambassador was staying in a private residence. And then they're saying, oh, but in Niger, this guy was killed and we must know what happened mm -hmm. and I'm thinking they've been fighting over there for years and nobody's been paying attention but 
he was fighting on a regular mission. I mean, it's very sad that anyone ever has to die, but they were completely different situations. But Agreed. suddenly, that's the worst thing in the world that's ever happened. And, you know, President Trump is hiding it. And I'm thinking, no, you can't compare that to Benghazi, which you Democrats at the time said, oh, it was nothing. It's, it, and they're on tape. You know, back in the day before the Internet and... DVRs, etc. I guess you can get away with saying things that are completely untrue and nobody would call you on it. But you can just go to YouTube, pull up what they said, and it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, was it Don Jr. taking a, a meeting is treason, but selling uranium to the enemy is not. How does that work? <laughs> or the people who are doing it actually work for the same companies that are, are Democratic-based. I mean, this is, uh, he's right. I think Watergate pales in comparison to this. This is a whole nother level of oh, ridiculous is. and criminality. <laughs> but, you know, the sad thing is, Dr. George, and it's as with everything, even the health care problems and all, that propaganda is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much when you drum an idea into the public's head this is okay, that's wrong, this is okay, that's wrong. You begin to believe it, you begin to absorb it, and then it becomes the truth and just part of life. Oh, well, I have to pay $6,000 for ridiculous health insurance that mm -hmm. does nothing. Oh, well, that's the way it is. And then pretty soon you forget that that's same policy used to cost two thousand. Thank you. And this is this is kind of how it works over time. And if you drum in the idea that people forget how it used to be. That's an excellent point. I mean we're not even talking that long ago though. We're talking in the last three years, four years. I mean mm -hmm. they're trying to tell the folks now that reform effort is causing the premiums to skyrocket and they'll go up another 30 percent let's just ignore the fact that they've gone up over a hundred percent at the advent of obamacare that's where it started it's not this that's causing them to go up and let me tell you these have they've had the subsidies the insurance companies from the time obamacare passed and they still went up over a hundred percent was it 116 percent in arizona yes. alone so subsidies did absolutely nothing to help keep the cost down well, but of course, this this was what the carrot was. Okay, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter the absolute number of the premium. So what if it's five thousand? I'll give you a subsidy, so you only see two thousand of it. But guess what? That it's such a bait and switch because at any moment, either the subsidy will change or the premium just keeps going up because the insurer says, well, the government will keep on subsidizing it. Either exactly. way, it's not getting to the core problem. Exactly. It, you know, that's the thing. They say, oh, well, it'll lower health care costs. No, it didn't. And it won't. For, no, it, it won't. won't. You have to get to the core and get down to how we see patients, how medical care is actually administered and delivered, and get a lot of those third parties out. And I think it's something people 
can understand if they've ever bought anything Mm. off the street and know that that's going to cost about one-third off of if you get the same item in a big, fancy store. And one of the reasons things are cheaper on the Internet, that if you cut out, the more middlemen you cut out, the less expensive the product ultimately becomes. I could not have said it better. But this is now, that was the beginning of Obamacare, where the insurance companies were the only game in town and they were the ones dealing directly with the government. Since this has gone on, there's been a morphing of the and more further outsourcing of the healthcare system. Now we've got Wall Street involved. And I want to get your take on We're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but I just want to introduce this thought. All of this telemedicine, all of these IT companies, all of this artificial intelligence in Watson, this is the next level. This is the next game. So we've had an, a removal, at least an attempt, to remove the independent doctors from the equation. Now we're seeing even more corporatization of of doctors, of medical systems, where we have Wall Street coming in and giving, or I guess providing health care virtually, and they think they can do it better than we. You don't need a doctor. Watson's 100%, no, 99.9% correct. They make better diagnoses than physicians. Yeah, well, they can also pull plugs, too, because it's not on their algorithm. You're not, you know, it doesn't pay to treat something because the chance of the person not making it is high. That's what the end point of what they'll do. But we're going to take a break now. But I want to get your take on all of these companies coming in, practicing medicine, making the doctor basically just the, they're monetizing us. We're signing off. We're the face of, they'll give a few of us some bucks just to be the telemedicine interface. But it's not us anymore or in their, in their world. We wouldn't have any dog in this hunt anymore. We'd just be them working through us. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. So, Dr. Singleton, I gave you a little bit of time in the break to give me your take on on this outsourcing, this corporatization, this Wall Street over, you know, taking, they know this is where the money is, and they're figuring out how to insert themselves on top 
of the insurance companies and pharma. Everybody's getting a piece of this pie except the doctor and the patient. I find when you brought up telemedicine, I find that whole concept fascinating because it's something that has been put forth as a convenience to patients and, oh boy, I don't have to wait for an appointment. I can call this number and I'll be able to get some advice from somebody and it might even be a real doctor. And it's one of those things that sounds good superficially and then you start to think about it. Hmm, he can't see me, he can't touch me, he can't see the look on my face when I describe some symptom, as we all know, does the person really wince, or are they just kind of exaggerating a symptom? All the things that go into making a good diagnosis, Mm -hmm. none of them are there. But as you point out, that that gets you closer to having Wall Street as your doctor, because you get used to the nameless, faceless person as a quote-unquote person as your doctor. And then you just take it the next step. It won't even be telemedicine. And people don't realize that when you do telemedicine and things like that, it's medicine by algorithm. And you, you touched on that, that if this, then this, if this, then this. Mm-hmm. And then your final common pathway is there were too many yes boxes checked. You've got too many diseases. So the final common pathway is do nothing. Thank you. I agree. I mean, this is, I've talked to a lot of folks. Unfortunately, I've had dental issues. So I've started talking with my dentist and this is not just medicine, it's not just doctors, it's dentists, it's veterinarians. This is a corporate takeover of healthcare in all its forms. And they are now, remember the doctors were selling their, their um, practices to hospitals? I think that's maxed out. Now what's going on is Wall Street companies are coming in as management companies and buying, or we should say managing doctors' offices and literally giving them a salary. So we'll manage your bottom line. We'll help negotiate your contracts. We'll get you paid more. But they own you. And apparently what they're doing is they're pack manning that way. So they can pack, just like a mortgage, they're going to package a ton of doctor's offices and then sell them to the highest bidder. So this is another pathway. I mean, the hospitals are going to get hosed by Obamacare. It's, it's inevitable. They're going to get less reimbursement for Medicaid, Medicare, they're looking to try to, to get rid of some of their, their bottom line, I think, and their overhead. But the corporate guys, you know, their job is to make us profitable in their eyes and then turn us over. That's the, I mean, I, the vets have done it, and they, they're very insidious. They'll keep the name of the facility as if it's still private, but it's no longer private. It's a consortium. That's, right. That's really devious. That's right. And uh, it's the same with centers and all, you know, doctor's hospital. Well, Mm -hmm. it's not a doctor's hospital anymore. used to be. And, uh, but people don't know the difference. And, And that's the trouble is, again, we've been trained to believe the superficial. And I think, sadly, 
Now everyone is so busy. We have two-person working families, so there's not anybody who can take the time to research things. So you just take whatever you're told is a given because you just don't have the time. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that pour in to these sort of cultural shifts. And we've had a huge cultural shift in medicine. And some of the things you've mentioned, it's where bit by bit, where suddenly your doctor isn't in a single office. They're in an office with 10 people. And, oh, isn't that convenient? You can see the internist, and then you have bad tonsils, so we'll send you to the ENT person, and da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the lab is just across the way. So you don't have to go anywhere. And yes, that is convenient, but guess what? Then the next step is those aren't all separate people. It's under one great big umbrella, and the same company owns all the people. Operative word being owns. And um, patient doesn't seem to know it. They remember when they went, and it was just good old Dr. George. Right. Well, now good old Dr. George has been bought. I shouldn't say that. It'll get around. Dr. George has been bought and paid for. But that's how they do it. Yep. And uh, and then they make it very difficult for the solo practitioner to even stay in business. Well, that's Just the goal. like how Home Depot helped wipe out the little hardware stores. It's a template. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's sad. And then making patients think that your doctor is somehow cruel, evil, for wanting to charge you something. Mm -hmm. But just think about it. Wouldn't you rather pay $50 straight up to the doctor and have somebody who really knows you, really cares about you, and like in my day with my dad, if somebody was in going through hard times, guess what? They're still going to see you and just not charge you and say, when times get better, you can give me what you can. This is what medicine is all about, but they've gotten everybody trained that, oh no, what medicine is all about is you walk in, uh, the doctor talks to you, and then you fill out a bunch of forms, either before you go in or after you leave. And that's medicine becomes a bunch of forms. And now with the computer screens in there and everybody has their little tablet, the forms are right there in the in the room. And uh, so, again, it's, it's trained us. So what's the next step? Okay, there's not going to be anybody behind the computer. It'll be the computer you're talking to. Well, you're actually talking about what's going on now. There's a company that has a... A platform where these are centers that you walk in, you walk, step onto this platform, and a machine will take your blood pressure and look in your, you know, do a, a diagnostic assessment, and then give you an, a printout, and then you just put that into a machine, and it pops out the medication. That's what they're, <laughs> <laughs> and that's supposed to be really cool, you know, right? So they're marketing this as being trendy and advanced, so you don't need a doctor, and it's you can have. You know, just walk in and get treatment. I just figure it's a pipeline for medication. Let's put it this way. It's a, a fast pipeline to deliver your prescription drug. It's what it's become. Medicine is no longer, well, I disagree. I'm sorry, I'm going to take it back. What they would like for medicine to be is no longer patient-centered and art 
it's just a, a delivery mechanism for, for pharmaceuticals and for mm -hmm. personal information. You talked about these IT and the high tech um, act and all this other stuff. I have a question for you, and this is what really gets me now. Once you put your information in there and it gets hacked, let's say, <laughs> who's at fault for that? Is it the IT company who sold the doctors, the, uh, you know, the EMR? They're not responsible at all if something goes down. And isn't their whole reason for existence, we have the patient information, it's safely, it's encrypted, it's on our cloud. But when stuff goes down, they're not in trouble for it, are they? No, they aren't. Guess what? It's liability for the doctor. How does that work? How's that even possible? <laughs> and like the doctor is supposed to be a specialist in computers. But again, that's one of those situations you've got to believe what they tell you. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I believe what my pen says <laughs> and the piece of paper on there yeah. that you can burn up and it's really gone and the computer information is never gone and I think after this Equifax breach mm -hmm. that everyone should realize that no one's safe I mean here we're talking a company whose job it is to protect financial information and they were hacked to the tune of 143 million people. Do you realize, I mean, that's half the people in the United States. And pretty much it's every adult because yeah. we've got children who have no reason to be in Equifax. So when you look at that number, that's practically every adult in the United States has their Social Security number out there. How can you even think that your information is safe in these little medical records that certainly aren't going to have the degree of apparent safety that a company like Equifax would have. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's just, to me, it was common sense that, that said, okay, once it's in here and on this computer, it's in there forever. And the worst thing that we're seeing happening is because of this, that the medical records are being just sort of repeated, and if one mistake gets in there, you hit the button, it's like a copy, cut, and paste button, True. and then the record keeps generating over and over the same mistake. And someone is going to be hurt by this, and people already have been hurt by this. I totally and agree. And now they've been around long enough where studies are starting to come out and they're able to say was that mistake caused by incorrect data entry and the the problem is incorrect things happen and incorrect things get in a chart but when they're in a written chart they are easier to correct you mm -hmm. can go back write a line through it and put error and the way you correct a chart is by writing a line through it so it doesn't look like you're trying to erase it but mm -hmm. you put error by it and it's noticeable it's not buried in 40 pages hmm. of paperwork and uh, people may think that's an exaggeration but I've reviewed charts on some folks where I had to look through the nurse's notes, the hospital nurse's notes, and each shift nurse's notes 
were eight pages long. It's ridiculous. And, it, you know, and it was all checking boxes. Do you really think on every single patient, those poor nurses are sitting there doing all that box checking? Well, who's minding the patient? That's a great question. And they're not even, the registered nurses aren't even on the front line now. They're actually case managers and administrators. And you have nurse techs and nursing assistants. Those are the guys on the front line now. And you make an excellent point. You know, the whole thing about high tech was about being able to have interoperability, right? Where if I'm in California and I get sick, then my medical records can be, you know, picked up at a drop of a dime by someone in New York, you know whatever that's never happened Mm -hmm. they've never made them interoperable and they've never made them safe and ultimately unless there's a criminal like for us if we do HIPAA violation fifty thousand dollars here jail there trust and believe doctors everywhere are paying attention but these guys don't have that you can kind of make it work get your name out there produce a company and have nothing else backing it up but if stuff hits the fan you're held blameless. There's no one. Did anybody in Equifax go to jail? I don't think so. And they did insider yeah. trading and they made money because they knew this happened and they said nothing. Where's the criminality in this? There isn't any. I mean, that was stunning to find that those folks sold that stock because <laughs> they knew about it months ago and mm-hmm. then it went public. Once everybody got their ducks in a row, then it goes public. Well, by then, the hackers have done already what they want to do Mm -hmm. with the information and who knows maybe the publicity will make them not do it but (laughs) I don't know and I the only reason I am not totally up in arms is I'm older and it's easier for me if something does happen to wiggle out of it because I already have uh reputation, name, whatever. Mm. I feel sorry for the 30-year-olds who are yet to buy their own home or something like this, Mm -hmm. have to go out and buy a new car and try to finance it. And then lo and behold, it looks like there's a problem. Well, eventually, perhaps, they'll be able to work themselves out of it because it's part of the Equifax breach. But can you imagine having to then deal with all that nonsense? No. No, I mean, everything that's electronic has such a huge risk, uh, such a downside for all the convenience. You know, there's a downside to it. I had to resubmit my tax return last year because someone had had submitted it, you know, in my stead. So I'm a victim of identity theft, too. I mean, so I understand convenience, but everything that they promise us is not what it's cracked up to be. Healthcare, you can't keep your doctor. It's not, it's not affordable. Your hospital is not working in your, in your best interest most of the time because they, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their board members. That's a conflict of There's so much conflict of interest that it's astounding when you really take a step back. There's... It's not a level playing field. How many times, I think Blue Cross may be the one that comes across my mind recently. They had their information hacked as well. Did they pay a HIPAA fine? I doubt that they did. But at the (laughs) private office, they're going to nail your butt and you might be out of business. That's what gets everybody up in arms. Let's have, let's follow the law, not moral relativism, not, you know, the who has the most money has the most uh, justice. That's where people get really pissed. 
<laughs> my husband and I were laughing about this whole NFL thing. That <laughs> he he was born in San Francisco, and he doesn't even root for the 49ers anymore. But that when they were talking about justice, and we just laughed and said, yeah, let's have the justice and have these felons actually go to jail <laughs> I know. instead of being able to buy themselves out of it. That it doesn't matter. It's money that talks, and it seems to go across all professions, all racial groups, mm-hmm. all strata, other than if you're the one with no money, you have no voice. No. And it bothers me because when it gets to the level of health care, which is your ability to stay alive and be a productive, happy person in this world, to have these nameless, faceless creatures running your health care, that's when it becomes a sin. Well said. And... You wouldn't, you don't even know it until you're in it. That's the thing. You have no idea how it affects you until you really, really need it. And that's right. That's tragic. And you don't have as many doctors as you used to being your advocate. But that really is up to the patient. We this show has been on, I don't know, five, six years, I don't even know anymore. And we talk about options. This is pretty clear cut. If you're not happy with the way things are going, you have options. You listen to my show. Dr. Singleton's been a guest multiple times. I mean, AAPS is one of those organizations that is for the patient. Go to aapsonline.org and start reading about what's going on. You guys are on the front line of legislative um, fixes, of really not talking about it, but doing something about it. And if we had our patients join us, you don't even need every patient, but those in the know, just withdraw your consent from this ridiculous system and pick doctors and join organizations, because patients can join AAPS as well, can't they? Yes, yes, and you can get on the mailing list, get some of the latest information that comes out about the legislation, and be able to read some analyses of the legislation, and you can decide for yourself. Obviously, we have our point of view, but that's the whole point. You give people a chance to see both sides of the picture. How can you make... I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it's just, it's always one of those things that I lament when I go into a neighborhood that only has Spanish-speaking papers that that's done on purpose because if they can't read another opinion, then the only newspaper that's there, that's the one opinion you're going to get. So certainly at the aapsonline.org website, you're going to see the other side of the picture and you might uh, be surprised (laughs) at what you find out. Yes, instead of people demonizing any, you know, any, any opposite opinion or any different opinion, this is a system now that doesn't tolerate dissension. It demonizes it, 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 it... tries to demoralize it and criminalize anything that's not the status quo. And if we fall into that trap, the language trap of, you know, calling people names, calling things racist, falling into into the hypnosis of this hypocrisy, then we get what we deserve, honestly. I mean, 
the Bible says basically, you don't if you choose to do something bad, you can't say I didn't know when when everything comes down to the end, your excuse of I didn't know doesn't work. Right? You have to make an informed decision. You have to make a choice. Doing nothing is a choice, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just I just call on your listeners to know that you have more power than you think you have. And again, that's part of the game, to make you think that I'm just a lowly old regular person. What can I do? Well, you can do. And it, it may sound Pollyanna, but think back to the revolution. Those people were just ordinary people. And uh, I think as physicians, we have to look to Dr. Joseph Warren. You know, he was the first person killed in the Battle of Bunker Hill. And he went down saying, I'm doing this. We need our own country. And, and they knew what liberty really was, and they were able to fight for it. And we just have to remember, we can't get complacent because... That's part of the deal. It's like giving a few kernels of kibble to the dog to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we've been given, just enough to keep us quiet. That's true. Or just enough fear of retribution to keep us silent. That's the other thing. You know, this is, uh, it's it's making you think if I do put my head up, it's going to get lopped off, so I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, that in Drudge yesterday, I think there was a poll that said 58% of people don't even tell anybody what their political thoughts are because they're afraid of what, you know, what will happen to them. That means they win. As soon as you stop speaking your truth, whatever that is, you know, I mean, everybody has a right to their opinion as long as it doesn't physically harm somebody. I mean, sticks and stones. I mean, words do have power. I think they actually do. And that's why we're in this position where they're controlling language. You're making things mean something. Or they're telling us that it means something that it doesn't. We know Mm -hmm. what the truth is. Just say you're ridiculous. I'm not listening to you. Turn it off. Stop buying it. Make your own. You know, you don't have to buy stuff from Whole Foods. If Amazon is becoming Google on steroids, Amazon is out of control completely. (laughs) I have to say. (laughs) I really make a conscious effort now not to buy from Amazon because they're out of control. I mean, I use the story of my book. I sell my book on Amazon. They take 55% of the profit. What do they do? Nothing. And I have to ship it to them under my own dime. Buy it from my website. That's my, I don't want to give them any more money. They're already getting it from the government. What else do they need? But it is never enough. Now they want to be a PBM. Now they want to take over the farm. I mean, that's another money cow, you know. I'll say, oh my God, boy! If Amazon gets into the pharmaceutical business, that's that's all she wrote. Hey, they're already yeah. licensed in like six states to do it. Boy, well, and you know what that says? Nobody goes into a line of business unless they know it's going to be profitable. There you go. There, Amazon, <laughs> Jeff Bezos didn't become the richest man <laughs> in the world by making an unprofitable business decision. And you know what that means. Once they get in that business, one, every time you go on the internet, those ads will pop up (laughs) on your screen if you've ever bought anything from them. So you'll be saturated with more drug company ads. (laughs) Oh my God, I think you're right. 
Oh. Well, listen, don't Scary. even... This is how bad Amazon has gotten. They are contracted with UPS. Did, I'm sorry, United Postal Service. Did you know that? No. Okay, let me let me school you on this one because it's become a real big deal here in Atlanta. They are contracted with the United States Postal Service to deliver their packages. Remember that Amazon is doing their own Amazon shipping now? Well, it's our U.S. Postal Service. And our mail now used to come at noon, one. It's coming at six o'clock in the evening, seven sometimes, because they deliver wow. their packages first and then the mail. And then they have the nerve to subsidize them so they're not even paying the same rate as we do as private citizens. So we're subsidizing them to get a leg up on, I mean, this is how crony capitalism works in a nutshell. And the service sucks. Excuse my French. You can't even get a package delivered anymore on Amazon. You almost want to go to their location and go pick it up because question mark on whether it's going to get there. This is not, a, we need competition. I don't care what the venue is. Unless there's somebody there to hold someone accountable and have them have to have customer service to make money, nobody benefits except the, the, the thing, the entity that's getting over on everybody. Well, certainly when UPS and FedEx came out, it changed the post office ways. Mm -hmm. I still don't do an overnight letter at the post office <laughs> because they say, we guarantee one or two days. Well, what what good does the or two days do? If you're going to pay all that money to send something overnight, it's supposed to be overnight, <laughs> not maybe it'll get there the day later. If you want it two days, then you'll just drop it in the mailbox for for the price of a stamp. <laughs> it's crazy. It really but, is. So if I I knew the post office made uh, contracts with private entities, it's like when Netflix started, they were bidding for the Netflix business versus UPS doing the Netflix, and I guess the post office gave them a good deal, so Netflix sends it in the U.S. mail. And so they get involved in these things just like private entities, and you're thinking, wait a minute, how can they be in the same kind of bidding as private entities when we're supporting it? What's wrong with this picture? Shouldn't we get some of the money from it then? <laughs> no, it's, it's a one-way system. Hey, I know this, yeah, every time you come on, it's always too short. Um, oh, but <laughs> I love it when you come on because it's like talking to an old friend, you know. Well, I don't mean old, but a good friend. <laughs> How can people All reach right, you? All right, wash your mouth out the soap. <laughs> I will. How do people reach you? AAPSonline.org. You can go there, make comments, anything, check out. Uh, you can pop in names and uh, see the articles and whatnot. And... Uh, I'm at M Singleton, MDJD for Twitter, and uh, Marilyn M Singleton at Gmail. Just all over the place. Love and, it. And uh, any time, we just love to tell people what we think. You can't shut us up. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for getting up early to come on the show. I look forward to having you back on. Okay, it's always a pleasure to be here. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Medicine on Call.
Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. 